Hello, welcome to In The Pink, the podcast with me, Natalie Pinkham. I've been away for a while. Well, only from you guys. I have been busy working at Sky Sports and actually busy lining up interviews for In The Pink. So there's loads coming your way in this next series. The first of which is from Daniel Ricciardo because I caught up with him at the end of last season, before Christmas, just to hear his thoughts on what was a massive career decision to leave Red Bull and go to Renault for 2019 and beyond. So hear his thoughts on that. And then I've also spoken to Kirstie Gallagher, who's a great person, and she's been through a lot. She talks really openly, candidly, about the stress and anxiety, um, and ultimately bereavement in a way of the breakdown of her marriage and the journey she's been on since and her career which has gone from strength to strength and all the exciting challenges that are coming her way in 2019 and yeah she's got some cool things in the pipeline so that's great. Kenton Cool is another guest. Now he is incredible. He has the British record for summiting Everest 13 times ridiculous human being find out what makes him tick on an upcoming in the pink podcast and another person i really want to tell you about is a guy called carl loco now he is so compelling to listen to because he used to be in a gang in brixton he's been shot at more times than he's had birthday parties he calls himself the man who should be dead and yet he isn't And he's using his life to great effect now. He's turned things around. He advises on how to deal with knife crime. And he helps kids get off the street, out of crime, and to channel that aggression, adrenaline, energy in a positive way. So interesting. So I really hope you enjoy that one. So that's just a flavour of some of the podcasts coming your way over the next few weeks. Send me your feedback. Let me know what you think. But for now, sit back, relax, enjoy the biggest smile in F1, Mr. Daniel Ricciardo. So here we are, Daniel, a year on from our first podcast, not just our first podcast, my first ever podcast, your first ever podcast. Uh, you've done many more since, I'm sure. Not um, really, actually. No? <laughs> you did a couple, though. They were quite good. Enjoy them. Yeah, that's all right. Your one was the best. Yeah, of course it was. Um, and and here we are um, after what has been um, an interesting year, to say the least. Plenty of highs, um, probably more lows. Um, and it's strange to think because had we had the podcast after Monaco, you'd have been saying your season was going stormingly well and it all was good in the hood. And then everything seemed to unravel. Now, listen, I've heard you don't watch the news. Is that true? Yes. Where are you going with this? Well, why don't well, I, I want to know why? Why don't you watch the news? Um, I just I never find it like positive. It's just always whether it's reality or not. I'm not sure, but it's always um, feels just negative. And mm. I feel if people start the day watching the news, then that's just it's not the best way to start your day. <laughs> putting it simply. So what I'm going to do then is um, get you to apply the news to your season. So I'm going to get you to talk about the headlines of your season. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot like the news that we see on TV. Very, very depressing. And I, think, I think the first headline has um, the standout headline has obviously got to be you leaving Red Bull. Um, we'll go through the, the races soon, but um, you've talked about your reasons behind that. Um, do they remain the same as when you first made the decision? But on reflection, has anything changed? How do you feel about the decision? I guess that, that is certainly the the biggest headline for now. Um or was you know through the season as far as news goes yeah um 
it was the most um it had the biggest impact i guess on on my kind of uh career but also in in f1 you know and, and the ripple effect that that had with other drivers and teams and what was doing what so um yeah i mean i, I would say it all still stands as as it was um i guess the the simple thing in a way was i i felt like i needed change um and there's obviously reasons all behind that but it wasn't really i wouldn't say there was one massive um necessarily like a tipping point or a catalyst if that's the word i like that word yeah it's a good word i, I think i know what it means but i like it um and uh yeah Did you just learn it well no it was actually it was one of it was actually one of my favorite albums as a kid it was oh. a, a punk band i liked and uh, the album was called catalyst and i never knew what catalyst meant but it was a good album and then i figured out what it meant i think anyway uh where were we news yeah so um you didn't yeah, have a catalyst just... not even baku because that seemed to be a I flashpoint mean, as i said there was certainly moments along the way which mm. was like uh is it is it is it time basically to to make a change and you know there was yeah the baku weekend so azerbaijan that that whole race and the incident and everything was um yeah it was it was kind of weird i guess at the time um and then yeah there was just i guess a few a few things here and there but honestly there wasn't i'm not gonna say like yeah look this is what happened behind closed doors and i left saying screw this i'm leaving like there wasn't actually a moment like that but it was um lots of little things but more probably more than anything like there's a few things i guess changing around me and around my life i guess at the moment and um i felt like this was i'm 30 next year and i don't want to like put the age as a Mm. thing but like i i guess what i'm trying to say is i feel it's the right time to Mm. create this new chapter in a way and evolve into you know um, a young man into you know maybe a man oh, <laughs> um, that, that makes sense so i don't i know that probably doesn't make sense to many no, people I but mean, yeah. it's probably the best not, not the best way of explaining it but it's one way of explaining it in a way is it um a case of you taking charge of your own destiny whereas when you're at red bull you felt like things were being controlled for you not necessarily by anyone's intention but various circumstances meant your career and life was going in a certain direction whether you liked it or not yeah, I think that's a, a big part of the system and and it, it, it does work and I guess it works for so long. You know, you as a once you get the contract and all that, it's like a junior driver, you mm. they kind of in a way manage everything and, and you just you get the results and they keep putting you, you know, where where you wanna be but also where they wanna put you, but normally it's where you wanna be, if that makes sense. So, you know, eventually I got to the top team and, and I spent five years there and um you know, they that was off the back of four straight world titles. Mm. So if you were to ask me back then as well, if I do, like, looking ahead at time, like in five years, would you have a world title with Red Bull Racing? I would have said, of course. Like, mm. I don't doubt that at all. Um, obviously, it didn't happen. So, again, not the reason why I'm leaving. But mm. I, I just feel like it was, yeah, I was always um, a little bit under, it was always in a way under their conditions. And I guess this was now a chance. It was my first time really out of contract. And I don't want to say to break free. That's probably too dramatic because it wasn't like I was shackled down. I did enjoy, you know, all the years at Red Bull, but it was a chance to, um, I guess, have maybe have the ability to create more for myself, you know, on and off the track. And give us a sense of... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The workings at Red Bull. Who is your kind of number one boss you report into? Is it Christian Horner? Is it Helmut Marko? And what's the dynamic like between those two? I would say it's both. Um, I guess normally from like a a driver, um, I guess in a way more from like a contract point of view and the those sort of discussions, it was it was m- probably more helmet, um, but then more from like a team point of view and um, getting an understanding of what's happening in the team, I guess, and how the how the I guess whether it's development going or how's this person doing or um i don't know what's the plans for this race as far as i don't know just i guess on a kind of bigger scale mm. it, it was christian and um i guess also if if i had probably any concerns with anything i'd uh i mean i'd, I'd say i'd probably go to both but mm. maybe more so christian um so i guess he was i guess in the way like acted as a i mean team principal but it's also like a team manager so mm. manages everyone's more to day-to-day runnings yeah and and who's the boss of whom? For me, or yeah, who's more senior in the eyes oh. of the drivers? Who's more senior? Um, it's, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I I kind of saw them as obviously both senior. I I never, as I said, probably with like dealing with my contracts, I would go to helmet. But then dealing with team stuff and maybe personnel, I, I would deal with uh, with Christian. So, um, I don't know. I I I think they both work pretty well together um yeah i don't know i don't really know how to answer that <laughs> i should probably ask them yeah well they might not be um i know because christian was certainly pretty not just surprised but pretty devastated and actually once it sunk in uh i know from talking to a lot of the team they're all gutted that you're leaving they're like oh this is actually real this is actually happening it's like the girlfriend boyfriend breakup you went nah but we'll get back together you know um, you always go back for a revisit, maybe. <laughs> that's just me. No, I'm in joking. <laughs> guess my husband's listening. <laughs> I don't get people that do that, actually. No, no, no. It's a bit weird. Yeah, a lot of people seem to do it. But anyway. You never have? No. Oh, okay. No. Good. I, I kind of feel like if it's obviously like a serious relationship, like I, I feel if you break up, you break up. Yeah. But um, Men compartmentalise, though, I think. I think men can just go, that's done, move on. Anyway, we're getting far too personal already. <laughs> uh, but Christian, yeah, Christian was was definitely pretty gutted and I'm sure still is yeah like I it was um yeah it was I certainly saw it I mean I knew like the team were always good to me in, in terms of you know relationships and you know I'm I'm a pretty easygoing person and pretty positive and mm. I would say I'm relatively easy to like and 
Um, for sure, maybe some people don't like me, but I, I don't know. I don't do too much, which makes people maybe hate me, if you know what I mean. So I get on with, with a lot of people. And um, yeah, so I guess the effect, once I announced I was leaving, um, again, I knew people cared, but I, I saw maybe that, oh, like, wow, they really care. They really care. So <laughs> and that, that's just, I guess that's just how it is. Um, but again, I never doubted it. But um, yeah, look, in a way, it was nice for me to see that. And it was nice to know that, you know, my presence was, um, I guess, what's the word I'm after? Appreciated. Appreciated. That's what was, that, was that part of the problem before? Did you not feel appreciated enough? No. I mean, ans- answering it simply, no. I mean, when I say no, I, I did feel appreciated. It's mm-hmm. not that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so you didn't ever feel taken for granted? Do you think they always oh, just assumed you'd always be there and you were just part of the fabric of Red Bull? Because certainly a lot of the fans felt like that. It's like, well, Red Bull isn't the same without Daniel and Daniel isn't the same without Red Bull. Yeah. Um, look, as far as a... Um, when you say take for granted or... I think my personality uh, draws some of that in, in terms of... But that's not necessarily now we're talking about contracts or that. It's it's more just... Uh, yeah, the st- I don't know appearances or mm. whatever. It's like oh, oh yeah. yes, man, yeah. Daniel will do it because he's, yeah, he's, oh, he's he's happy to do it and he's he's yeah. smiling and whatever. Um, I mean, so I mean, some things maybe it was like oh, like should I really be doing this? You know, the evening before a race or something like mm. that. But again, that was that's uh, that's probably just because I'm not an asshole. Um, maybe I'll turn into one. Oh my god, <laughs> what has Renault done to this man? You're certainly, you certainly think a lot. You certainly analyse and think and process. Do you think you probably overthought this process? And was it therefore a massive relief when you finally did make that decision when you got off your flight to the States? Um, and has there ever been a regret? Have you looked in the mirror and gone, oh, I've made the wrong decision? I, so I haven't had, haven't had any regrets. Um, definitely I felt comfortable with it and um, at peace with the decision. Mm. So... Uh, I do, I certainly, you know, fortunately on track, I'm decisive, mm. but off track, I've never been good with like just anything like, oh, like if I'm with my friends, oh, where should we go for dinner tonight? Or uh, what time should we meet? Or it's always, oh, uh, well, this and then that. I, I definitely, I'm just hopeless. So, But why is that? Why have you got this alter ego where you can be, as you say, ruthless, decisive, everything that you need to be to be a decent driver overtaker like there's never any indecision on when you plunge for that overtake yeah fortunately um so I don't know I I really don't know but I mean I again I think because it was kind of new territory for me Mm. you know having a a being out of contract and having let's say options for the first time in my career um I wanted to in a way overthink it to make sure I Mm. made the right decision Mm. but um but yeah I mean Looking back on it now, could the process have been more fluent? And I guess so. But, um, you know, part of that is learning and growing. And, yeah, in a way you... I don't want to say I made mistakes, but in a way, yeah, mistakes are made so that you can become better, I guess. I mean, you say you had options, but actually some of those were taken away from you. Were you pretty um, surprised and disappointed that Ferrari, Mercedes didn't come in for you? Because you were doing all the right things. And you certainly... tick a lot of boxes when it comes to marketing and 
you've obviously got an Italian passport, so I would have thought you were a perfect fit at Ferrari. Um, and, and also Merck, you know, I think a lot of people out there would have thought you were a great partnership with Lewis. Um, was it therefore frustrating that they didn't come in? Uh, yeah, I guess to answer it bluntly, um, you know, because at, at the end of the day, I know, um, you know, in, in the next, even if you just want to, I mean, the next 12 months, you know, I still think, and everyone could say this, that Mercedes and Ferrari are going to be the team to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, could be longer than that, but I think it's probably a safe bet to say the next 12 months. So, um, and maybe other teams will take a win here and there, but I think, you know, they're, they're still the team to be with short term. So, and especially like I did the first six races, one, two out of six, you know, it was Seb Lewis and me that had won two, mm-hmm. two each. And it was like, at that stage, no one else was kind of touching us in a way. And, mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like my, um, my pool, so to speak, could, couldn't have been any higher. So in a way I, I did, uh, expect probably mm. more out of that. Um, at the time, I think rightly so, mm. but again, it's again, through this whole process, it's, it's proven that, you know, nothing is, um, expected guaranteed or anything at this level. And there's always layers to it. And obviously you mentioned Ferrari and, um, you know, they signed Leclerc now and, and he's a young up and coming prospect and, and maybe that was part of their plan all along, regardless of what my results were, what his results were, who who knows. And and then with Mercedes, um yeah, I guess the Mercedes one is, is probably a bit of a different um situation in terms of you know, with with what Ferrari's done, I see it and respect that because I've seen Red Bull do it bringing the young kids mm-hmm. through the program so and actually it's one of the first times they have done it it's mm-hmm. like quite a change in tag for them yeah and in a way i think it's about time mm-hmm. in in terms of it's, it's work for red bull i mean seb was one i was one max is one mm-hmm. and we've all won races if not you know championships in seb's case so it's not like it hasn't worked mm-hmm. um so that you know i i obviously respect and understand um and i guess with the merc one it, yeah it, it's a slightly different dynamic with i guess the the path they've chosen um but in saying you know as well lewis has won driver championship teams won constructors championship so in a way they've ticked all the boxes they mm. need so so they're kind of like yeah. keep the status quo it's working yeah i guess f- for them it's uh it's more conservative mm. but i can't argue because it's it's worked for them it's so results, yeah. it's um again it, it is what it is and, and i also don't know everything and i don't want to act like I do there's so much that goes on in this sport and part of me chooses not to know everything because my head would probably explode um but yeah that's I guess uh, one way of understanding it how much of a say do you think Seb and Lewis had in this you know did they in some way maybe feel threatened by you coming in uh you'll have to ask them (laughs) you know again you never know like there's it's there's an argument for for sure you know and there's probably an argument to say well Mm. no they're you know, two of the best drivers in the world. They're confident. They, you know, believe they could be anyone they mm. go up against. Um, but then obviously there's the argument that they're doing, you know, well as it is. So mm. why would they, you know, it's, uh, why would they change it or, but yeah, I look, to be honest, I don't think they would have stopped it. You know, long, long story short, I think an organization as big as Ferrari or Mercedes, mm. if they want to do something, they'll do it. Mm. You know, I know Seb and Lewis, I'm sure have power, but not enough to say guys, you're not going down this direction. Yeah. It'll be so interesting to see how Seb gets on with a new teammate next year. I mean, uh, there's no doubt Charles is a 
great bloke and a, and a great driver. But, you know, you never know. He might bring out the best and Seb and Seb might go and win the World Championship as a result. You just don't know. That's what I think yeah. is amazing about the team dynamics with the driver. Um, and talking of that, um, you and Max, like, I know that so much is publicly said about... Um, about your about your partnership but actually behind the scenes it always sort of worked didn't it I mean there's out on track there were certain dust-ups and you know he's got a different style to you but when I spoke to him when was it um well shortly after your decision again he was one that was genuinely gutted that you were going did that surprise you or did you think I oh, will be relieved that I'm out of his hair now uh no I, I think um I guess on our on our relationship, um, professional, not <laughs> not personal, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's not what it is. Even if Red Bull do make some videos, <laughs> which suggest could, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> that later hosen. Remember, I'll say they get you to do things you don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so um, yeah. Look, I in a way I was always relatively surprised how I guess well it worked as teammates mm. because. We're both, I mean, everyone knows, you know, he's obviously been vocal and, and said whatever about, you know, on track, off track, mm. whether it's about a driver or a team principal. So I guess everyone knows how, in a way, stubborn he is and, and driven and determined and, and I guess, confident. Um, but also, yeah, people that have been watching the last five years as well with, with me at Red Bull, they, they know that's the same. And uh, there's a, definitely a, an air of confidence and certainly not arrogance but I think just a, a confidence and a belief you know within ourselves that I think is as strong as any other driver on the grid so when you get that in the same team you know pushing for you know a win or a podium it's um naturally it can create a big division but for whatever reason it never really did you know we had some on-track incidents and sure you know at times I wanted to grab him and maybe he wanted to do the same with me but um I don't know we always just able to move on and mm. I can't explain why it could I could be in a similar situation with another teammate and maybe would clash you know all season long but um, I think from my side I always feel like you know it, it maybe it takes a bit of time over over the, you know a bit of maturity but you know if Max beats me sure I don't like it mm. but if he's done it fair and square then all I can do is respect that and shake his hand and try and learn from it and mm. I think that already having that kind of um, respect slash understanding slash maturity level um, is, is Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market one part of the problem do you think that he will change um the more experience he gets one part of the solution Solution. yeah sorry yeah i knew that you were going somewhere positive with that (laughs) you're not problem (laughs) you meant the opposite of what you said just touch on that i think you know nearly every race driver is stubborn i'm sure we all are in some way but he's quite vocal about it yeah yeah which people love as well i mean it's not a bad thing necessarily no and it creates his personality but in the term of as I said, you know, respecting someone mm. if they do a better job. A lot of drivers, I feel, are too stubborn to acknowledge mm. that they got beat or that they weren't as good that day or whatever. And then it's like, then you create excuses or whatever. Mm. And then you try and create some tension within the team. Oh, why didn't you give me that? When it was nothing mm. ever in the first place. And I think that's when it can start. So, yeah, the stubbornness can... I guess backfire if if you use it the wrong way. <laughs> is, there, is there any part of you though that wishes that you were more vocal? Because certainly Max and his dad have got such a presence um, in the paddock. Do you think that that's something that you've lacked maybe in the last couple of years? I think uh, I mean touching on you know a little bit earlier how you know I'm a nice person. <laughs> um, it's it's a great thing for me, but sometimes it it isn't and. Um, I guess there was never an example of like on track where it was like, oh, he got, you know, a new front wing because he mm. asked for it or demanded it. Um, so I guess it never turned into anything like that. But I guess just in general, yeah, just being um, probably just in a simple way of putting it, just learning to say no sometimes mm. or having that attitude, you know, mm. not saying that's it's probably not the best example, but, you know, just having that thing about, well, you know, that presence and like, no. Yeah, or at least the perception that you would occasionally say no. Yeah, you know. And I, I would say it did change this year. Like I, Mm. again, you just more time you spend the sport, you see and understand a bit, and it's like, all right, well, this isn't working for me, so I need to change something. Um, So yeah, I mean, you, I push back a few times, and I think even if I feel I'm being an asshole, it's not really being an asshole because my version of asshole is probably pretty normal. Where Obviously, someone else's version is, that's a real arsehole. <laughs> um, we're going to bask in the glory of Monaco in a second, but let's just talk about it, what happened after it, because Monaco slash your decision to leave was actually quite close together in terms of timing, because it was obviously end of May and then it was August by the time you chose to leave. And yet, if you'd asked you in Monaco or anyone whether you'd leave the team, you'd have gone, no way, Jose, I can't imagine it. Um but then everything did seem to unravel. So tell me how you took that. Was there a sense of you that was like, well, I've made the best decision here because look what's gone wrong. Or was there a sense of you that was like, well, that was always going to happen if I was leaving the team. Was there any kind of conspiracy theorist in you that was like, things are going wrong for me now because I've left the team. Or was it all just a horrible coincidence? I mean, certainly I'd like to think it was a horrible coincidence. Um, and... At the time, I mean, as the season was going on, I was 100% thinking that. Because if, if I was thinking other things, then mm. it wasn't going to help my cause. Um, 
you know, if I was filling my head with more stuff than I already had going on. So, um, and I mean, looking back on it now, I guess seeing the relationships I had within the team and, and trying to understand a little bit about the politics of F1 and all the mm-hmm. rest of it, I don't see why it would have been anything else than mm. unfortunately horrible coincidence. So yeah, look, it, I mean, to put it simply, I don't see what, let's say the team would have got out of no. me failing. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause it doesn't look good on them as well. Mm. And actually it creates stories like this and mm. is there conspiracies and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it does them any favors mm. at all. So, um, yeah, I, I never, obviously you hear people murmur it and mm. are they really doing this to you, Daniel? And, I just tried not to really mm. dwell on it or think about it. So, so in a way, then I never did really it? Ma- believed it. Yeah. In a way, then did you take the positives from it and you go right? Well, I have made the right decision to leave. Um, I mean, yeah, but I, I guess that's you know, like obviously you have a failure week after week, and mm. it's just like, oh, like what am I doing here? And it's like I'm so glad I'm leaving. But again, that's that's kind of just a, a, a short-term emotional response. Um, it could happen at any team, but um, but sure, it, it was frustrating having all the failures. But again, I I feel like you know my car crew and, and the guys that work directly on my cars, are some of the probably the best I've ever worked with. You know, some of the turnarounds they did, you know, China this year, and a few things where they put the car back together in like miracle time. Mm. You know, so I I I don't, yeah, I just. I don't think they really made many errors over the course of my time with them. So I think a lot of it was just, yeah, I don't know. I still don't really know. Well, there was a silver lining in getting pole and that must have been very satisfying for you to just tuck that one in before the end of the year um, because ultimately you have had criticism for not out-qualifying Max. You know, you've arguably had better racecraft, but then Quali's let you down. How satisfying was that and how much did that sort of just give you a little spring in your step before the season was out? Yeah, that was that was big. Um, even qualifying, like there was, and again, I'm not not gonna say that I didn't get beat this year in in the uh, on the Saturdays. Um, but I guess you know there was times where it was, yeah, just I felt like more things were going on, you know, with with my car and this and that, and a bit like Max was talking about in mm. Mexico mm. when let's say I got the oh, pole. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I. I mean, again, because it was for pole, I guess he was vocal. But mm. there's there's been times where, you know, there's there's been stuff like that. On, on well, he parents. genuinely thought there was a bias towards you in Mexico. No, he he he, just... he was saying he had some issues with the drivability and oh. kind of engine mapping and stuff like this, which was affecting the balance. And um, you know, there's been times where I've had it, but it wasn't for pole, so it wasn't vocal. And again, I I don't want to say mm. I'll. I'll I'll get away from that because I just sound, I don't want to come across sour or anything. But there's, it's it's hard when everything runs perfect. Mm. Like it doesn't always run perfect from a mechanical point of view as mm. well, I guess is what I'm saying. But um, Mexico going to the positive of that and the pole lap. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, reason why I celebrated kind of so much was A, it had been a long time, mm. you know, since anything kind of good happened um, on track. And B, if you really want to know the truth, I knew that in 24 hours, what happened could have happened. So I was like, make the most of it while it, while it shines. Well, you anticipated the DNF. I no, I just, how the season's been and I guess how race cars are. I knew that, you know, a win or a podium isn't guaranteed tomorrow. Mm. And so I was like, anything could happen tomorrow. Mm. And 
so I, I did hold some like celebration in because at the end of the day it is just pole but part of me wanted to enjoy that moment mm. because yeah it just it hadn't come around often and it could be taken away in 24 hours which mm. eventually it was so um yeah a few reasons why i was so happy on saturday <laughs> and i was the underdog you know in a way like yeah. max Dom- it was a bit of a monaco weekend mm. that i had mm. that max was having mm. you know every session he was leading and topping the times and then for me to do him the only session of the weekend to do him in Q3 when it matters, that was like, I think if anything, it wasn't like, cause I was the underdog and it was awesome. It was more just showing, I guess, people that unfortunately start to doubt that. Wow. When it's really the, the chips are against him and it's the highest pressure lap of the weekend, this kid's still able to pull it off. And it's like, I think that was bigger than, the lap time itself so so has, has that been a, an issue for you then a concern that people have lost confidence in you in some way um was that something that you were keen to prove before the season was out because you presumably have never doubted yourself but you're worried that at least from the outside and certainly the history books won't look favorably on the last few months of your season absolutely yeah and um for sure it's you know the Again, Max had some great results, but also there's like the, there is the kind of hype and everything mm. around him, and and then he certainly got momentum. But it's crazy when you think about the first half of the season. People were saying if he was a Toro Rosso driver, he'd have been out of F1 yeah. by then, and he had a storming second half of the season. Do you think he was in any way buoyed by the fact you were leaving that this was now his team? Um, maybe I, I think certainly, like I know when, I know when Seb announced he was leaving and I knew I was having a rookie teammate um, with, with Kvyat immediately I do shift to I guess the word is responsibility mm. and now the team is going to lean on me because I'm the experienced guy so mm. they're going to rely on me to drive them at least for the next you know short term phase of, of, of the uh, whatever um, the whatever yeah, it's real good so uh, yeah it's I think been a it's long natural. season I can I forgive know. you for not being Overly it's articulate. Natural. <laughs> it's natural that, that Max would have thought that and, and felt like there was more kind of, uh, yeah, responsibility on his shoulders. So Boosted I, I, by it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Mm. And, and for sure, like, I'm sure there were some people in the team that were, like, switched off from me and were like, we're all going for Max mm. now. But again, I don't think that goes to, you know, the stuff in the car, but just from a, a feeling and a, mm. and a, let's call it an energy point of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A Red Bull energy point of view. Okay, listen, to make this a good news day, because we want it to be... We want you to go off to your holidays back with your family in Australia, with a spring in your step. Let's just reflect on Monaco for a couple of minutes to round off the podcast. Just how special was that? Because not only did you win the one that you've always wanted to win, but you did it under really difficult circumstances. Yeah, I like this. We're ending on a good one, on a good one. Um... Yeah, so Monaco was, I mean, it was the greatest moment, achievement um, of my career to date, for sure. Um, more more enhanced by probably the reception I got when I got back from the, the podium and all that, back to the team, the energy station, you know, as, the, as they call it at, at Red Bull. Um, I'd never seen just a sea of people so I really believe like so happy and excited for someone you know and it was like 
I really felt at that moment that how I go about it meant a lot to a lot of people and that mm. that just made me proud I guess um so that was certainly the proudest was, moment in my career it was literally like you'd won the world championship wasn't yeah. it in that moment it was it was yeah like I, there's no other way of putting it it was huge like I'd I felt like I'd done more than I'd actually done was mm. you know than just winning a race there was certainly something else behind it and um yeah it was it was huge and uh, I think as well part of it was you know two years ago my name won't be on the winner's board but mm you know 99% of people believe that you know that that was my race and rightly so um so I think they'd carried a bit of that heartbreak with them for the last you know 24 months Mm. and um to do that and kind of get the monkey off the back um and with a race where we had problems I think was just a massive relief for everyone and you know I I think their fear as well was that if my car did break down in that race Mm. I probably would have walked away and just never come back. So <laughs> just a massive relief for everyone. I mean, let's say losing Monaco twice would have been, yeah, the death of many of us. <laughs> Too much to bear. Okay, so, so now cool. you, you've got Christmas with your family. Um, a new member of the family has arrived. Mm. So this is going to be a time of celebration. Um, how much are you looking forward to just putting your feet up? Yeah, I, I am. It's. I mean, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's. It's been a long year. I'm certainly tired and and ready to switch off Mm. um and it's you know on track stuff is is tiring 21 races all all the rest of it but um as we've touched on a few things there's plenty of off track business that goes on which um which i guess just wears you down like i think like everyone no matter what your job is come december come christmas you you want to switch off for a little bit and um yeah i've got uh not only a nephew but a little niece now so just looking forward to having some real family time and um yeah getting some heat as well getting some sun um so my throat doesn't sound so husky and cold and <laughs> brittle like uh, like the english uh, winter will do so now nah, it's look the year i'll be honest for the most part sucked <laughs> but i'm not bitter about it and I, I feel like i'm gonna learn and grow and it's only it's only a stepping stone to what what's to come and and yeah i believe that it'll create you know a better story you know come uh whatever day it is that I win a title. We look forward to it. Thanks for your time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.